welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. It's been a while since I've said that. Yeah. Uh, I'm Robbo and I'm joined as always by Cheeto. Hello. And today we're going to revisit one of our first ever podcasts. I think it was the first, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, which we recorded, I think, oh, nearly, April, a, year, was it? nearly a year yeah, ago. Around there, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's our top ten favourite films. So it's not top ten films, it's our own personal, yeah. well, it's top ten films. but And the reason we've done this is because, obviously, um, what we've found is we've watched a lot more films yeah. um, since <clears> last year. Uh, I joined Letterboxd in August of last year. Letterboxd is an app that allows you to... Um, it's like a film diary, but it also allows you to uh, rate your films and also um, review them as well. Yeah. And since I think I joined in August, and my first entry is August the 17th, I've watched 124 films since then. Not bad. Um, some of them, obviously... Um, Rewatched, yeah, but a lot, a lot of new ones I've no, never seen before. Leadbox is great, yeah, and I think another, I think another reason as well is because, obviously, we we've had a year to sort of get used to this now. Like if you go back and listen to the original, Jesus Christ, that's all I can say. <laughs> and yeah, we were we were talking before, we put a lot more time into our top tens this time. Where before it was like a an idea and. Looking back on it, some of my top ten, I just put I just put the movies on there because I couldn't think of anything else. Where now I've actually had time to think about it, and these are definitively our top ten films. Yeah. So might change because we might. Oh, this is the know, thing. That's, that's Everyone's the top ten is always going to change around, isn't it? You know, but um, <clears throat> I've, I don't about you, but I've got some honourable mentions because it was really, really hard. To really, turn. yeah. <laughs> um, it was, yeah. Um, there's some films that I've watched that I th- I thought were really really good, but yeah. just probably didn't make it into my top ten. I mean, how do you put some that were in my top ten which have gone? Now. Yeah, same so, way. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult because again, it, it how did you sort of pick the films that you were going to include? Well, I to start off with I was like, what what are the films that mean the most to me and I sort of picked a couple and then I was like, what are films that I can be watching and watching? And then I, yeah. I thought, bare bones, like, what is just the films that I absolutely adore? And those are the main things how I come up with my top 10. But it was a lot of different things. But um, yeah, it was just with watchability, how much I love the film, how much actually I think it. Because this thing, like you said, it's not, our, it's not what we think are the top 10 movies of all time. It's our favourite movies of all time, you know? So. It's a totally different list, and, yeah. and it is our opinion. Everyone's going to have different opinions, you know. But well, I went through and I looked to you know what 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 movies have I rated five star? Yeah, and then I thought, well, that's not necessarily my favourites because no. there's some that are really probably shit movies, but I, I can really watch. Well, they just mean something to you, like yeah. um, say for instance, Shawshank Redemption. You know, yeah. I think everyone knows that's a five star film, but yeah. it's not on either of our lists because it no. It's just it's how yeah. these things are, on it? But I don't know if you want to start off with some of your honourable mentions, if you've got any. Um, yeah, well, a couple of ones that were on my list before. Um, Science of the Lambs, hmm. that's now 
been replaced. But yeah. I mean, it's a great film. But I wouldn't say it's my absolute favourite. Yeah. Um, Twelve Angry Men. Again, I think I think the reason it made my film uh, my list is because I'd only just recently watched it. Yeah, and recently by yeah, is um, very real. Yeah. And although it's a fantastic film, it's probably one of the best courtroom dramas. Mm. Again, it's not quite made it onto my list yeah. and has been replaced. That's fair. Um, there's some that are on your list, which are not on mine. So I don't know. Do you want me to say a couple of mine? Yeah, go on then. Well, yeah. I've I've tried to stick to a rule where I want to do one per um, franchise or yeah, trilogy because okay. I don't want to do like... Yeah, th- sure. Yeah. So I've got a couple. So <clears throat> I'm going to go from least to... These are honourable mentions. Yeah, right? to okay, best. Go so I've got down the thing. Yep. That was really hard to keep off because mm-hmm. it is, in my opinion, I think both have been the best horror film of all time. Yeah. Oh, this one was really hard to keep off. <clears throat> People may be surprised at it, but once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah, I th- don't worry. It's really highly rated, and I've, I, I've got a Tarantino film on mine, but it's not once upon well, a time. Well, I, I want this thing. I wanted the Tarantino film, yeah. and I thought I looked at my list. I was like, oh my god, I'd actually have a Tarantino yeah. film, even though he was one of my favourites, but. I just couldn't get my list. And obviously Reservoir Dogs again. Is yeah, Reservoir Dogs is so close as well. Um, I, I love that yeah. film. Pulp Fiction as well. Yeah. Um, another one is is you're probably gonna be you are probably gonna be shocked, but it's Indiana Jones and, and the Last Crusade. I don't have an Indiana Jones film on my top. No, one. okay, it was on there before, which is yeah. really hard. Um, <clears throat> this is this, uh, Platoon is another one. Yeah, because I love Platoon. Um, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Um, again. It's a fantastic film and I love it, but it's just not got onto my. And it's weird how these ten. things happen, isn't it? Just yeah. um, one that's that's stormed its way onto my honorable mentions is Zack Snyder's Justice League, and that was really hard to keep yeah. off. I mean, it only come. I know it only came out last year, but I mean, such an improvement. And for a four-hour film, it did not feel like no. four hours. That's all I got to say. Watch it if you've seen the Justice League, <clears> the original one. And you put off, I tell you, DC are in a much better place now than they were yeah. five years ago. So I've only I've only seen the Zack, Zack Schneider version. So it'd be quite interesting if you watch the original yeah. just to see how much the improvement. I'm kind of a little bit reluctant now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And um, I think my last my last one, which just missed out, like minuscule missed out on the top ten, is Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, I love Goodfellas, but it's just once again, um, there's ten movies ahead of it, so. Unforgiven for me, yeah, as well. Um, I've got a western on there, mm. and it was close. Um, but I just think, I mean, Unforgiven is a great film. I mean, it re, it basically um, reignited the western genre. Yeah, and it's we're getting westerns nowadays, um, isn't it? And if it yeah, wasn't yeah, for that exactly. film, then it, yeah. Um, but yeah, and like, there's there's a few. Um, Dark Knight, for example. Yeah. It's not on my list, but it was close because um, when I compiled my original list, I'd never seen it. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. And now the Dark Knight trilogy is one of my favourite franchises. <laughs> this is crazy. It happens, is, isn't yeah. it? Because you know? um, mm. we, we had an agreement, didn't we, that you'd mm. watch the Godfather trilogy and I'd watch the Dark Knight trilogy. Well, I've, I've seen one and two yeah. masterpieces. I'm not, very, I'm not looking forward to seeing <laughs> three, but... Yeah. But yeah, there's... 
It's, it's weird. I've not seen American Psycho. I've not seen Fight mm. Club. I've not seen Moon. I've not seen Parasite. All great films. Well, this is the thing. I think you can be a huge film buff, and there's always some. There's always <clears> some <throat> films everyone has where they just because you're not. Let's face it. You're not going to be able to watch every single film, are you? No. There's always going to be films that. Yeah. I mean, there's still classics that I've never seen before in my life. Yeah. I've made it my challenge to watch all all of them, but you know it's just it's trying to get around and doing it, yeah. you know. But I think that does that is that the only mentions all of all? Do you have so, any more? Yeah. No, I mean I could go on forever. Yeah, but yeah, I just uh, I think we we should leave so. it at that really, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm gonna let you start. Okay. This time number ten <clears throat> is a movie. Well, I've not I've not really done mine in order. So, you know, no, oh, I've done, in, I've, in no particular order. Oh, so. I've done mine in, in order. Oh, okay. so. All right. Number 10 is Heat. Yeah. I absolutely love Heat. And well, I... That's on my list. Is actually... Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Then. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, obviously, I, I saw Heat in the cinema. Yeah. And when it came out, it was the it was billed as like the first big um, pairing of De Niro and Pacino. Indeed, the yeah. first time they'd ever meet on screen. I think they spend about 10, 15 minutes on screen there's, together. There's, there's a couple of scenes. So there's the scene before they get the coffee, and then there's a scene in the coffee yeah. coffee house, yeah. and the scenes at the end. But they're still, it's either, you know, it, it shows like De Niro's face or Pacino's face, yeah. but not at the same time. I think yeah. that was that was the whole yeah. big thing around it. But um, <clears throat> And it's Michael Mann directed it. Yeah. Um, also stars. Uh, you got Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer um, yeah. Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore's in it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's essentially a heist movie. It is, yeah. Um, but you've got uh, De Niro's kind of the leader of this gang of uh, sort of elite. Well, they're all militants. They all they they were because it's, it's nil, and he yeah. he wants like he gets his team together, and he wants one last big heist, doesn't yeah. he, before he goes to retirement? Yeah. And then you've got Pacino, who's Vincent, who's the the detective trying to bring him down and what what you find is that actually their sort of mutual respect for each other really and you, you would not expect no. that would you and they meet in this coffee shop and um, you know they talk about actually like in, in the real world they might have been friends yeah but you know they're saying you know I'm not I wouldn't hesitate to take you down if, if I needed to mm. <clears throat> but yeah it's, it's, it's a brilliant film some really good action sequences oh, in there. I mean, you 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 think of all time action scenes and just that that whole shootout scene after the bank heist. And what I didn't realise is Michael Mann actually the reason why it sound the, the sound quality is amazing because he didn't decide to add in sound after he actually um, <clears throat> attached all the actors with guns um, with microphones. Yeah. And shot the obviously when they're shooting the blanks, that's raw sound, so it sounds so good and. It's it's not just a, a aimless action scene. It's got there's there's plot there, isn't there? And and there's this story there, and it's just great, great movie. It's a great film, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And um, it's one of those where I can't really point out any negatives. No. There's no real flaws to it. No, I mean, I, I hear people say, "Oh, but it's three hours." But you, one, it doesn't feel like three hours at all, does it? And no. two. You get three hours of heat, you know, yeah. and and it it needs to be three hours because it needs to set up. And this is the thing that I've never. 
very few movies have a plot so thick and so deep and just a great story that, that mm. you know and it, it needs that through our runtime for that you know and um i don't i don't get it with runtimes why, why people complain so much they can't sit in the cinema for three hours with and then you know the casuals are such a you know short I mean? attention span yeah. and you know i'm i mean i'm agreement when i can't remember who it was said you know that every scene should move the plot along you know yeah and it's, you get a lot of films where the story drags a little bit because like they stick in scenes i don't really need to, to need to be in there and they kind of kill the story dead but with heat it, it doesn't it's just moving mm. the plot along every scene is is needed I yeah 100 every can, scene can something is actually happening might I mean, not be action, but it, it's key to the. I mean, this the thing, it, it, and obviously character development is a big thing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think Michael Mann, um, why the film's so good is because he focuses so much on character development. Yeah, he has these huge action action set pieces you'd expect in a massive blockbuster, but also has these character moments, and that's why. I mean, uh, we should say spoilers because yeah, obviously, at, obviously at the end it, it makes it so much more meaningful. You know, when they um. When Nils they're dying, they 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 grab hands, don't they? Yeah. And he just sits there, and it just the movie ends, and it just makes it so much more impactful. Like mm. the main thing I think we're trying to get is that every scene in Heat is so impactful and it's so well thought out. And I mean, can you think of any any crime thrillers that are better than that? That is the the pinnacle. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of films that have have being influenced by that yeah i mean even dark knight even dark knight yeah there's, there's the bank robbery scene in the dark knight which has been i mean christopher nolan even said you know, that he, he was inspired by heat so. yeah so yeah good film right you're next okay so one that didn't make it on tr's goodfellas <laughs> <clears throat> which to me right now i like i like scorsese i love scorsese mm. but i think goodfellas is kind of the pinnacle of his career yeah in terms of the sort of crime films um it's again stars De Niro uh, Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci um which I think was one of his earliest performances Pesci I think. yeah um <clears throat> and I think he was nominated for an Oscar for that one he won it he won it yeah right, yeah okay um essentially it's about um it's supposed to be based on a true story. I don't know how true the true stories <laughs> are. But it's about a guy who was involved in the in the mob um as from an early age, um and then when it got to uh, a point where he was gonna be prosecuted, he basically informed, turned into a, an FBI informant and is now supposedly living in witness protection. Um but again it's it's one of those films that it's quite long. Yeah. But... Once again, all scenes are impactful. Yeah. yeah. And they move the story along. It is, yeah. And again, it's another... Character development is very big in this as well. Yeah. Um, great performances. <clears throat> excuse me. Great cinematography. Um, one of... Uh, one of my top ten, I think, opening scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, we covered this in, in a previous podcast. I think the opening scene is brilliant. Um... And I just there's nothing again, nothing not to like about it. I can't, I can't really critique it in any way. Just anything negative. To I say always about hear it. people say that Go- Goodfellas <laughs> is is those 
very few films where it is flawless, isn't it? Yeah. There's not. There's, I, think so. I mean, I think personally, for me, like I said, this may be quite um, quite a weird thing to say, but I think this is probably the best gangster movie ever made. Or it's definitely my favourite. Mm. I mean, I know The Godfather's out there and stuff, but I just I feel like you're not watching a film; you're watching, yeah. you know, cameras actually capture. Yeah. A gangster's everyday goings on, you know, yeah. and like I said, every scene is so impactful. There's like there's just little scenes of dialogue, nothing happening, you know, but it's where it's just so impactful and, it, and it's such good story writing, character yeah. development. It's just yeah. I mean, I love. Um, I mean, Casino again is another Scorsese yeah. film which I love, and I just rewatched The Irishman uh, the other day, which again, um, not as good as Goodfellas. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, um, and again, it's one of those that's often been um, parodied, which is always a good sign of a good film. Oh yeah. Um, and again, yeah, just one of my favourites. Uh, like I said, it was so close to being on my list. <coughs> right, my next is Gladiator, and I don't think anyone would be shocked about that, but I. I think this is more this film means so much to me um, it's one I've grown up with certainly and I know you did you go to the cinema to see it? no God, it was the first DVD yeah the first DVD ever bought 2000 yeah I just yeah there's there's you know there's there's it's a action adventure epic but it's so much more than that you know you ruffle up the surface and you see underneath uh, there's so much character development, there's so much story there. You know, it's, it is a story about revenge, isn't it? Overall, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a military general who's been um, betrayed and sent into slavery. His family's been killed, and he doesn't care about anything anymore. He just wants to get his revenge. And I mean, this is this is at a time where I know we've said it quite a few times, but Ridley Scott, yeah, he's an all-time director. But he directs an all-time film, doesn't no, he? No, it's, it's a common theme, right, of somebody being um, left for dead, family killed, you know. It could be, what, pay, Payback, Mel Gibson? Oh, yeah, true. Um, Schwarzenegger could have done this. You know, it could have, could have easily been a, a Schwarzenegger or a, yeah. a Stallone film. But it's just set in, obviously, ancient Rome. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that, that this... this Ridley Scott's done some of the greatest movies of all time and then he's had some not so good yeah, movies yeah. after that but this this is prime Ridley Scott and um, just any everything from the, you know the cinematography um, I mean you can tell he's from an advert background can't you it's a yeah. beautifully shot film perfectly every, every cut every film of his is, is um, yeah I mean he it's, it's, like you say his background was in uh, TV advertising yeah. so you can see that in his in his film yeah Is just that, the cinematography yeah. alone but I mean perfectly cast and if you think about it Russell Crowe what had he done by then he'd done a few obviously Australian films he'd done The the Insider um, LA Confidential yeah LA Confidential he was sort of on the up he was, he was still not that leading man though was he no. and this just completely changed his career and, and he rightfully won the lead acting Oscar, but I just I just love this film because, like I said, the the character of Maximus is so deep. He's he's like I said, it, once his family's killed, 
he just doesn't care anymore and there's a, there's a scene at the end um, it's a beautiful ending by the way and Connie Nilsson she says to him uh, go to them everything's going to be fine and only then he has a smile on his face and he dies you know that just shows the character of Maximus doesn't it you know and there's great supporting performances from like Richard Harris um, Oliver, Oliver Reed, Reed yeah. um, his last film yeah but also um, Joaquin Phoenix again puts yeah. in a really good performance as Commodus um, great he's, antagonist and he's an well. antagonist that you actually physically hate yeah isn't it? you are entices that, that that hatred that you could have at a real person yeah. you know but again there's nothing really that you can you can say about yeah. that's negative I mean really. people have said oh it's, it's it's not historically accurate but I don't care you know it's yeah, but what what film is? Yeah, I really don't care. What is it? <laughs> it's more of like 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 you said, the story of of Gladiator could could be set in any time. Mm. Ridley just yeah. decided to set it in ancient Rome, yeah. and I mean, like what we said, some great uh, set pieces, some great action um, for like an epic. You know, there is a lot of dialogue scenes, but once again, it's moving the story along. Yeah. It's very effective. And again, it's character development. Yeah, as well. Um, you sometimes need that because obviously, on usually in a film, you're meeting these characters at a certain point in their life. Mm. Um, so you you need some something to give you an idea of their background, their character, yeah. their story arc. Really, I mean, this film has got some of the, the most brilliant dialogue in it ever, you know. Um, and I mean, I'm not entertained. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the you know the the soundtrack is also legendary as well. Yeah, but, you know, Hans Zimmer fully does go all out, and it's not a very Hans Zimmer. Um, soundtrack at all is it no. but um, and it just once again it just gets that film this yeah. film over the over the finishing line okay. but there's, that's that's the reason why someone, I just love oh. this film and I will defend defend it being on my top 10 to the day I die so so my next one is the only western that's on mine mm. and it's The Searchers from 1956 mm. now like I say it was a close one between this and Unforgiven but I just think this is probably it's widely considered the best western ever made but not just that but one of the best films ever made and it, I think is probably John Wayne's finest performance yeah. um, stars John Wayne like I just said it's a John Ford film um, John Wayne uh, his character he comes home after the civil war to his brother's um, homestead um, essentially they're attacked by Apache Indians um, his brother's family are killed, uh, except the youngest daughter who's kidnapped um, and taken captive. And it really just follows an epic journey um, to find his niece. Uh, and it, it is, it, it's um, <clears throat> it's kind of action adventure, but it's also, there's, there's more, it's more deeper than that as well. Because mm. you're never quite sure what his motivations are whether he's actually searching for her to, to bring her home mm. or he's searching for her to actually kill her. And that's not even, even at the end, right at the, right at the end, um, the, the final scene where he actually finds her, um, you're still not sure what he's going to do. Uh, but then obviously, spoilers, he does take her home. Um, 
it's been criticised for its depiction of Native American people, um, but it's it is of its time. It's yeah. the fifties, and you know it, it, that's really not, not an excuse. But you just got to look at it in context of the world was a very different place. Yeah, back the then. world yeah. was a very different place. But it's it's well worth. I mean, again, it's 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 the cinematography is amazing. There's some mm. fantastic shots. You've got Monument Valley as a backdrop, which is just adds another character to the whole film. And like I said, I think it's probably John Wayne's finest performance. I know he got an Oscar for True Grit, but I, I think that was more um, really just to get... Because he was yeah. going at the back end of his career. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. As a, more of a... Uh, they just wanted to get... Because he's a legendary Yeah, because they wanted to give him an Oscar, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's well worth watching. The only bit I've seen of this film is the ending bit, and I believe yeah. that they ride off into this. Yeah, um, is that it? Yeah, basically, what happens is he he delivers Debbie back to um, not not to his brother, but to uh, some neighbours who are going to look after her mm. and adopt her. And he basically there's a, there's a famous shot where the camera's inside the house; it's dark, uh, and he's just framed in the doorway in silhouette, and he just walks away. Mm. Um, and it just show it's it's, it's <clears throat> we've covered it in in a previous podcast, greatest opening uh, closing scenes in a film. Yeah, this is a device really to illustrate how Ethan is trapped between two worlds: the outlaw West and civilization, um, and that he doesn't really fit in in the new West. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's <clears throat> like I say, it's a brilliant movie ending. Covered it in a previous mm. podcast. Um, Again, my my favorite, one of my favorite westerns, I think. Nice. Right, my next, I don't know if it's, it might be on yours. Is Seven? No, it isn't mm. actually. No. And Seven has been one of those movies where it, it was all, it was definitively on my list because I can't believe looking back, I can't believe it wasn't my previous list because I've I've loved this film since I was young and young enough to where I shouldn't have been watching this film, but. And I, I know you um you said recently you watched it a couple months back and you yeah. forgot how good it was. Yeah, didn't you? you do. Sometimes you just you put a film on and you forget how good it is. Yeah, and that's a lot of times I'll do that. Mm. So yeah, I completely forgot about Seven. So uh, Seven is about a retiring detective, William Somerset, played by Morgan Freeman, and a new recruit who's going to take on his position called David Mills um, Arlie Ermey plays the commissioner doesn't he yeah, and he doesn't think captain, yeah. captain he doesn't think that he's competent enough to take on this one last this specific case on his own yeah. so William Somerset has to it's like a buddy cop well, he's mentoring thing. him yeah. is, isn't he and he doesn't think he's he doesn't want this to be his first case no oh yeah because he, he, he actually yeah. says that doesn't he yeah. but um it's about the seven deadly sins and the, like I said, spoilers, but the the serial killer, John Doe, played by Kevin Spacey, yeah. uh, like I said, he bases his each of his kills, each of his different kills on the seven deadly sins. And just right then and there, it's such a unique premise, isn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean... Um, again, this film's been featured, I think, in our plot twist episode our movie endings episode it's probably been yeah, yeah like I said we, we really do like this yeah. movie but I think that's what it 
I think that's, that's the main thing that sets it apart is the fact that it, it's not just another 90s detective movie it, it takes it to the next yeah. level where bringing something new in and I mean just great performances all around really isn't it you know um, I think Kevin Spacey really put himself on them I know he'd done a couple of things before that but he put himself really on the map with this didn't he and I just love like I said I love everything about this movie but I just love how grimy and dirty the film is you know it's um, I don't believe they actually specify what city they're in do they or even what era is it it's, it's kind of yeah but it's just always yeah. like like always raining always dirty grimy and just I think all all the good things about 90s movies are in this I mean once again this, this put David Fincher on the map um just great writing, great story. Um, it really does entice you through the whole film. What more is there to say, you know? Yeah. And probably one of the best plot twists, yeah. movie endings as well. The whole what's in the box, everyone yeah. knows that, you know. Yeah. Um, but Seven's one of those films where what really, what more can you say? No. And it is, a, in my opinion, a flawless thriller film. Again, it's one of those films I can watch any time, really. Yeah. Um, it, you, yeah. I mean, when I first watched that, I must have watched it about five times after that in successive days because yeah. it just is. There's always new things as well that you point out, you know, because it, even though it may seem like it's a it's a straightforward plot, it's it's so entangled, but it just everything just makes sense, doesn't it? And it's so effective, and it's, sometimes it's quite hard to watch at times. But yeah, like I said, what more is there to mm. say? Seven is is. One of the greatest thrillers yeah. of all time, and certainly deserving to be on my list. Yeah. So, yeah. Right, my next one mm. um, is Star Wars. Way yeah. to retitle yeah. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Um, now, personally, and I know you probably do as well, and most I think Star Wars fans would say that. Empire Strikes Back is probably the best yeah. of the original trilogy. But I think Star Wars is obviously what started it all. It's the most important, and isn't it? Yeah. I think um I think the making of it and how it got made is probably more more uh, interesting than the actual <laughs> film itself. How the fuck they made this yeah. film like um I mean it's you know, you read about it and there's obviously a lot of things um there's been a lot of said about uh, how it got made and mm. uh, some of it you don't know whether it's just changed over time you know and been embellished a little bit but from what I understand is George Lucas really wanted to make Flash Garden because yeah. he was a big fan of the 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 old sort of black and white uh, serial uh, serials like, like Book Rogers and Flash Garden mm. and that but he couldn't get the rights to it so he decided to write his own um, film and it's probably and, the biggest film ever yeah. and up to that point he'd made I think two films which is THX 1138 which was a bomb and it almost bankrupt um, <laughs> American Zoetrope which was Fantasy Four Coppola's film production company he'd made American Graffiti which was kind of a surprise hit mm. I think and then Star Wars and what more do you want yeah. you know Star Wars is a phenomenon. Um, I mean, obviously, did you 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 must have saw it in cinema? Didn't I you? didn't see not not Star Wars. The no. only one I'd saw in cinema was uh, Return of the Jedi, 
but I was hooked because what's not to like? Mm. Um, you know, people categorise Star Wars as science fiction. It's not really science no. fiction. It, it's more of a science fact, a fantasy. It's got a lot of the fantasy elements. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got the sort of um, lore and legend and and that sort of thing. Wizards. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, Jedi's. You know, Obi Wan is a wizard. Yeah. You know, um, and it, it's got the. It's got the common themes, you know, uh, a young man being mentored by an older man. Um, to take on a greater power. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. got some Western elements as well. Um, so a lot of people say it's a Western set in space, which... I could see that, you know. Yeah, could be. But yeah. Um, I, to be fair, I think, right, you think of 70s films. Yeah. You think of dark, depressing, slow-burning dramas mm-hmm. or disaster in the movies, yeah. you know. And then you've got this space opera that... Yeah takes you to another world you know it just it just come at the right time mm. and like you said it was a phenomenon it made uh 700 how much did it make it made <laughs> easily i think with inflation it's made like three yeah. billion or something i mean when it when it obviously when it came out it was the highest grossing film of yeah, all time big and jaws it, and yeah it, it stayed i think it's it stayed in in top for for a long time mm. i think but it's just spawned a whole just Star Wars. <laughs> what, what can you call it? Behemoth. I mean, you know, the, the fact the, that we're still we're still they're still producing Star Wars related. And people are still interested in you know films and TV series and things. But you know, I mean, the story behind it is is Lucas took took this story to everybody in Hollywood apparently, and they all turned it down. Yeah. And it was Alan Ladd Jr. who I think has just recently passed away um, at Fox that mm. greenlit it because it, not not so much for the story but for for Lucas himself, um, and it, it got so close to being shut down as well. It they, did. they went over budget and they went over time, and there's all these stories about how they had to kind of shoot you know with three units just to get it finished, and you know he was never happy with it, but you know it just it just became a phenomenon. And it's hard for people probably born afterwards to, to imagine a world without Star Wars because yeah. it's always been... I mean, this is the thing. You try and go a day without someone around you mentioning Star Wars yeah. or you seeing the Star yeah. Wars logo or anything to do with it, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, like you said, I couldn't imagine the world without Star yeah. Wars, really. I mean, it launched and killed the careers of Mark Hamill and, and Carrie Fisher, <laughs> but, you know, obviously um, Harrison Ford yeah. managed to escape that. <laughs> But yeah, it just is. Um, again, I don't think Lucas is a particularly great filmmaker, no. a great director. Um, he's probably better at, at writing, but even that's a bit sketchy. Must look at his filmography, and he's not really. He's only he's only directed a handful of films. He's been probably more prolific as a producer. Yeah, but he can write the he- a hell of a story though, can't know, he? He made Star Wars. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what do you want? And he's sat, you know, he's sat, he's sat in Skywalker Ranch on his. He's a very massive very pile of money, isn't he? Rich man now, yeah. yeah. But so. I mean, this is the thing. I, th- I think people look at Star Wars as the event, and they kind of overlook the, the film, how great the actual film is yeah. itself, though. And I know, I know this is probably the least in-your-face Star Wars film, but it just is a great film, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you get in, in, you get the introduction to all yeah. these iconic characters. You know, cutting edge special effects. Yeah. Um, you, 
you, you can't not mention the the soundtrack from that. Oh yeah, you know John Williams again, um, probably the greatest movie uh, composer ever, yeah. and I think it's got to be. I mean, like like you said with the the, the special effects. I mean, I mean, I think when most people think of of this film, they probably think of the, the set piece at the end, the action scenes at the end, you know, with the X-Wings and stuff, and that's the sort of thing where at the time, you know, every film we see that type of, obviously better special effects now, but at the time it wasn't a thing. No. And, you know, like I said, I think, do I think Star Wars would have been successful if it was at another time? Yes. Do I think it would have been that successful? No, I think it was a lightning in a bottle moment. It's It was perfect for the time, and, like, of course, nowadays we know it as like you like. What can you can, can, what, can you call it a phenomenon? You know, yeah. it's, it's Star Wars. I, I think it took everybody by surprise. Yeah, to, to the fact that the studio they hadn't even got their um, merchandise ready. No, so I think it, you know I, th- I don't think many people actually thought it was going to be as successful as it was, and I think it did take a lot of people by surprise. And that, that's the thing. Even though it's not my favourite Star Wars movie, oh, I have the the most respect for it because yeah. it did start. And once again, before Star Wars, you'd never seen that much pandemonium surrounding a film. No, have you? You know, it it kind of set the tone for all these franchises we have nowadays, don't we? But yeah, yeah. this thing we can ramble about Star yeah, Wars. Let's, let's move on. Come on. <laughs> right, my next. I know. I'm, I think is on your your list is the Rock. It's not on my list. No, no. It used to be, didn't it? No, it didn't. No, didn't not. No. Oh wow! Uh, it's made my top ten again. It's an honourable mention for yeah. me. But people know. are probably thinking, right? So you've got you got like seven. You got hit. what the hell is the Rock doing on there? But this is my. I think the Rock is the epitome of nineties action films. Yeah. And that's why we love it so much. What is it? It is the 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 popcorn movie, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's 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 Michael Bay at his absolute best. He was he was top of the world at the time. Mm. <laughs> um, and when 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 we say these nineties tropes and stuff, this is just everything turned to a hundred and ten, mm. isn't it? You know, it's got nonstop action you just, from. You just got to look, you know look at the story. It's just absolute bullshit, really. Yeah. I mean, you've got. A group of disgruntled marines led by Ed Harris take Alcatraz, um, they, they storm Alcatraz, take all the visitors as prisoners, mm. as hostages, and they've got this um, VX gas that they're going to release, uh, which will kill the entire population of San Francisco. Um, you've got Nick Cage, who's an FBI chemical expert, and then you've got Sean Connery, who is her Majesty's Escher. What more is there not to love? You know what I mean? Uh, who's, uh, in the 60s, he stole some of, I think, uh, Jagger Hoover's secret private files, um, and he was basically detained without... Um, he without, basically did not exist, did he? Yeah, well? he was detained without a trial, and I think the British government and the American government came to an agreement that he was he was just never going to see uh, the light of day again, and so he was locked away um and then he then has to assist a seal team along with nick cage's character to basically reach because he's the only apparently he's the only person to have ever successfully yeah. escaped from alcatraz and and it is it's, it's a bullshit premise um but it is a fun film and you can't help but 
smile. I mean, I'd say this is probably the one of the films I watched most ever. I think because <laughs> you can just when you want when you have a good time, you just put it on, don't yeah. you? You know, and I mean. This is the thing. It's actually really highly rated. Yeah. People forget that because because it is classic Michael Bay. It's actually a really good film as well, and I mean, it, it jumps straight into it. You know, you have the Hummel uh, getting the rockets yeah. scene. You know, that fires you straight in, and you know the tone of the movie. You know where it's going and is stuff. It, is it James Horner did the skull? It was uh, it was Hans Zimmer and James. Hans, it was Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, right? Okay. Yeah. Which is again a very un- unlike. On the Hans Zimmer like yeah. film, yeah, you wouldn't see him doing that much, would you? These type of films, no. but it is a legendary yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. And like I said, if you've not seen this, then just put it on because it is—it's amazing. It just, I can't say much more if, than it. You know, if you can get over the actual story, yeah, line, but you know, a lot of things aren't going to make sense, no. right? But it's like I said, it's a '90s action film. And as always, you know, the SEAL team's killed, and it's up to Nick Cage and and Sean Connery to. Um, to basically save the day, yeah. essentially, and there's a scene at the end that is is iconic. I think. Yeah, are you talking about the, the green smoke? Yeah, scene? the green smoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, like I said, just if you want to have a good time, just put this movie yeah. on, sit back and relax, and just watch batshit crazy Michael Bay. And then there's a thing. There's a there's a word called a Michael Bayism yeah and I think that really spawns on this movie because yeah. it just is like just explosions the old fucking movie you know but it just is a brilliant film and it's a brilliant time and that's why ultimately it's on my list so good choice uh, my next one is uh, new and it's a Tarantino film and it's Inglorious Bastards oh, yeah. again I rewatched it recently um and you know how sometimes when you you've not watched a film for for a while you you forget about it you forget yeah. about the plot and there's only sort of little little snippets that I remember, but I just thought oh, what a fantastic film it is, and it's set during the Second World War. It's an alternate history. Um, Brad Pitt leads this group of Jewish soldiers. He plays Aldo Ray. He leads this group of Jewish soldiers soldiers behind enemy lines, and their remit is just to kill as many Germans as they can. And that's all they that's all they're tasked to do. And what they do is they, they find a group of Germans, they kill them, but they leave one alive. And what they do is they carve a swastika into their forehead. So they've got a permanent because um, what he says to them, he says, Yeah, you go off after the war, you'll make a life for yourself. Uh, but I want people to know that you were a Nazi and mm. you were you know, and, and that's and obviously they leave a survivor really to let other people know. Uh, and to spread their sort of myth because th- this kind of mythology appear, you know um, is created around them um, and so they leave a survivor really just to spread that that mythology and uh, Christoph Waltz um, oh, yeah. he plays the SS captain I believe or colonel sorry it's colonel is it Hans Lander mm. brilliant performance this um, again this, this opening the opening scene to this is one of the best um, really isn't it yeah, and it's featured in that podcast, and it, it features Christoph Waltz, and he basically gives this like twenty-minute monologue in three different languages, and it is, it's yeah, brilliant opening. Um, what happens is they British intelligence receive a word that Hitler is going to be attending a, a cinema performance in Paris, and a lot of the high-ranking 
German um, chief you know, staff are going to be there. And so British intelligence send an agent, uh, which is Michael Fassbender. Fassbender, that's it. And he's supposed to link up with the bastards, and they're supposed to basically um, there's a there's a there's a plan to burn the cinema down and kill everybody in, inside. Um, and they do they actually manage to kill Hitler. Mm. So it is. Um, it's hard to it's hard to sort of. Um, it's hard to define the genre because it is a war film, but it's not a war film. No. Almost, it's very Tarantino. Especially the end is yeah, very Tarantino. Very yeah. Tarantino. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of blood and gore in it and everything, which you'd expect from a Tarantino film. But once again, I think we've always said this is Tarantino is the king of dialogue. Yeah, and that's what he's best at. And there are scenes where, like I said, it's long monologues. There's lots of people talking. But it, it doesn't it doesn't slow the film down, it doesn't bog it down, mm-hmm. it moves the film along. Um and again, there's nothing about this film that I can really critique. No. Again. I think it's, it's a great flaw- film. It's flawless really, isn't it? Yeah, this action, this gore, um Like I said, all the Tarantino It is, um it is I would almost say it's a it's a Western style. It, that's how what it feels like. Um but yeah, it's very Tarantino. Uh, and like like we said, there's a lot of Tarantino films that that we like, and we probably would have liked to include. But I thought mm. this one is just I don't know spoke to well, me. I, I just want to say, like I said, obviously the standout is is Christopher Walks as Hans Lander. Yeah, obviously he won an Oscar for it, which he deserved. Yeah. But he was a complete unknown. Tarantino saw his work on. St- I believe he was a stage actor. He was like, I want you to be in my film, and fits the part perfectly. Well, obviously. He- He'd worked a lot in Europe as well, yeah. so yeah. Well, yeah. Once and again, now he's, now he's a he's he's a sort of he's, he's a two-time Oscar now, isn't he? Yeah, and he's and a often big star. Um, Tarantino um, collaborator. Yeah. So no, very good film. Some really good films on this list, isn't yeah. there? I must say myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. My next film is is you couldn't get further away from Inglorious Bastards. Is Terminator Two, Judgment Day, yeah. <laughs> and once again. It, this is always going to be on my top ten, yeah. I think, because it means so much to me. Um, well, again, it's one of those that is widely considered to be better, and uh, the actual sequel, yeah, better than one the, of the best the sequels of all time. Yeah. But it's the thing. It, well, at the time, it was such a un, it was unlike James Cameron. This film, yeah. um, you got the original Terminator, which was a many people call it a slasher film many people call it a horror film which I can agree mm. it's like a horror sci-fi um, you've done The Abyss obviously which is is nowhere near the tone well Terminator was really low budget wasn't it yeah it was it, it was sort of like a sleeper hit really um, didn't expect it to do no. well really and then obviously this is kind of maybe maybe the film he wanted to make and he had the budget to do it maybe um, I don't know but I mean like I said spoiler alerts he turns T eight hundred good, yeah. And there's an there's a even there's, there's a bigger Jaws moment. There's a T one thousand. What's the time when Arnie was getting into like kids' films, yeah. more family friendly films, and so obviously he wanted to have more. You know, he, he wanted to change his image. Yeah, to be the good guy. Yeah, to be the good. So, guy. so. yeah, the, basically the story is you got um, John Connor, and obviously Sarah Connor returns from the original. Um, the Terminator sent back a much more advanced T-1000 to kill 
John Connor. Liquid so, metal. Yeah, liquid metal, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the uh, Resistance then send their own Terminator back, a older Model T 800, to so kill. reprogrammed. Yeah, they reprogrammed it. I thought that would have been already, you know. Well, no, you know. Like... But what I like about it at the start is they set it up like the T 800 is still going to be the bad guy of the film. You know, that you get a. Yeah. Another memorable scene, you know, the the bar scene, and he's he's just uh, he's hurting civilians, like maybe near killing them, you know. And you're like, okay, this is the same Terminator from Terminator from the original. I need your clothes, your boots, boots and, and your, your keys to your motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're nerds. And um, but yeah, and like you say, it sets up like um, it's it's only part way through the film you realise because there's a scene where. John Connor's in the in the mall, isn't yeah. he? And he he's kind of running away from the security guards, and then suddenly, the T eight hundred appears, and he he realizes what it is, and he he goes to run away from it, and then he realizes that the T one thousand's there, and the T eight hundred's there to protect him. Yeah, well, he says get down, doesn't yeah. he? And um, but what I like as well is it sets up the T one thousand to be the good guy. You know, he's the one with the he puts on the police uniform what does police say it says that he's a good guy yeah. um he, he goes around asking people where john connor is you know so you're like okay t1000 everything he touches he can turn into so that's people objects isn't mm. it um so yeah he he assumes the identity of of this police officer essentially yeah isn't it? but basically the reason why it's on my list is once again it i do consider it better than the original just because it's more teated for my taste it's once again an all-out action movie isn't it you know from start to finish um it just but it's not it, it still is a brilliant movie like it's still really highly regarded you know it's still a strong plot strong story brilliant characters once again but it just turns everything up once again to 110 it just increases the stakes increases everything about it and once again in my opinion it, there's there's no flaws to this film because in the film, isn't it? Sarah Connor's initially reluctant to trust the Terminator. Well, she's banged up, isn't she, in some yeah. loony bit, isn't she? As the film progresses, she realises that the Terminator is probably the best father that father figure, can, yeah. figure that he can have. Because obviously, he'll never leave him, mm. he'll never let any harm come to him. And that's, that's. And that's the thing with this as well. It's not just an action movie, it explores <clears throat> those sort of deep. Yeah feelings and, and whatnot of, of fatherhood um, what it means to be a father you know um, people's views on machines yeah. and whatnot, you know and, and it's so much deeper than just yeah. your, your average and it's action movie throughout the film John and the Terminator like form a close bond they do yeah and they actually learn off each other um, and it has like a really cheesy ending <laughs> yeah hey no it's ending I still tear up like <laughs> but yeah just it's it's action, but it's much. Yeah. It's very deep plot. There's stakes in it, and the ending. I really like the ending. I mean, of course, you got the the classic Hasta la Vista, baby, mm. and and come with me if you want to live and stuff. But yeah, it's just a brilliant movie. That that, like I said, it, it heightens everything from its predecessor. Yeah. So that's why yeah. it's on my list. Yeah, I mean, I saw this in the cinema, mm. and it was kind of billed as cutting edge special effects oh and it is it was at the time I believe ILM did it didn't and they it, I mean it even actually holds up today when you yeah, watch it again yeah. but yeah it was uh, yeah it's legendary isn't it yeah. so cool alright my next one 
one of two Ridley Scott films on my list. Uh, two Ridley Scotts? Yeah. Alien. Yeah, and I know, I know what the other one is. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, it's, it's kind of odd because before this, Ridley Scott, like I say, he'd come from an advertising background. He'd made um, a film called The Duelist, which was kind of so far removed from this film. It mm. was set in the Napoleonic Wars, and it was about two cavalry officers who, who had this... They have a series of duels over, I think, 15 years. And then suddenly he goes into this and alien. Um, and for those people who haven't seen it, spoilers a lot, it's set in the future. It's about a, a ship. They're in sort of hibernation, returning to Earth. They're woken up because they receive a distress signal from a planet close by. Um, and by sort of international law, they're required to go and investigate, which they do. Uh, they find a an alien spacecraft, I believe, and all these sort of weird, look like eggs mm. with things living inside. And one of the crew members, um, Kane, um, one of these things attaches itself to his face, um, and even though they're not supposed to bring him on board with this parasite attached to him, they do, they, they override sort of the protocols to do that. And uh, all attempts to remove this, this sort of parasite, because uh, what, what, what they find is that it's, somewhat, it's, it's stuck to his face, it's got a tube down its neck, and they think that it, it's feeding off of him. And they try and remove it, uh, it bleeds acid, um, so they they feel they can't remove it without without it killing him, and then all of a sudden it falls off. Uh, they decide to have a meal um, before entering back into hibernation. I mean, he seems fine at this yeah. point, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, and at this meal, he starts coughing and convulsing, and then this little alien bursts out of his chest. Yeah. And it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you you think. Just in general yeah. cinema, this is one of the most yeah. iconic scenes, isn't it? Yeah, in history. I believe they they didn't they didn't actually tell the rest of the cast what was going to happen, uh, so their actual reactions are real, genuine, yeah, genuine. But it's 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 that kind of uh, and this alien starts to grow at a sort of accelerated rate, and it's picking the uh, crew uh, members off one by one until there's only one left to Gurney Weaver. And, and it is kind of groundbreaking in a lot of ways as a film having a female protagonist yeah. in it, a strong female protagonist. Mm. Because films, obviously, action films at that time didn't. And so, yeah, it's... it's. Um, I mean, again, it's been... It's a common theme. It's this kind of unknown... Um, not necessarily creature, just unknown assailant that's that's killing people one by one. But it's just... I don't know, it heightens the, the tension being set on this, this spacecraft where there's lots of places to hide. It's hiding the shadows. Um, you know, you could walk around the corner and it, it could be there. And there's a few jump scares involving the ship's cat and stuff like that. Um, and it's often, you know, often been, um, been parodied and copied a lot as well. So, but I just think, yeah, as a, as a, a film, again... I can't fault it. No. It's beautifully shot, brilliantly acted, fantastic script. So what's not to like? Well if if some if aliens came to Earth and they were like, give us the 
give us a couple of films you know that you that you think are the best uh, for the for the whole genre. I'd give them Alien because it is just that. <laughs> You know what I mean, yeah, though? It is, yeah. it is it's yeah. perfect, isn't it? It's the perfect horror well, movie. Well, although it's, it's kind of science fiction, it is, I would say, it is that classic, almost like slasher film, yeah. movie, where people are being picked off one by one by this kind of uh, unstoppable... Can I just say, though, as well, a, yeah. for 1979, it has not aged a day, has no. it? It is still, no. It's still very relevant now, you know, yeah. and like you said, it's been imitated a lot, yeah. but you don't get better than the original, do you? No. Well, I mean, some people think Aliens is better, but it's a different, different type of film. It's an action adventure film, yeah. film. You know, Alien 3, not great. Um, and then, obviously, you've got the sort of prequels and all yeah. those spin-off uh, films as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's where it all started. And I, I don't think it'll ever be topped, really. Right. Just a paranoia you have in yeah. this film, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, more than deserving, I think, to be on anyone's top ten. Um well, my next one, I don't know if, you've, if it's on yours, but it's Die Hard. No, it isn't. Mm. Again, that should have been another honourable mention. Yeah. Um, widely considered as being the best action film. All that action all film, time. yeah. yeah. And this was right slap bang in the middle of, of when John McTiernan was just producing these absolute all-time action movies. You had Predator, you had Die Hard, um, Hunt for October, you know, and, and this falls right in the middle and it's arguably the best. Um, the main thing I, I take from this is, I mean, I'll, I'll get into plot first. It's about um, there's this there's this uh, skyscraper called Nakatomi Tower, which holds um, a lot of money in a bank, and it's just a simple, real like, it's quite a simple plot, isn't it? The bad guys go in, take the yeah, take the plaza. Got, <clears throat> yeah, you got a group of bad guys led by um, Hans played by Alan Rickman yeah um, and on the surface they seem to be terrorists and they're wanting sort of brethren around the world release but actually what they're doing after it's is the, the bearer bonds that are being held in Nakatomi um, vault but what I was saying is that it is a, it's such a simple plot but it, it on paper this film shouldn't be anywhere regarded as, as highly as it is but yeah. I mean when you actually watch it it's such a different experience and this really started the the wrong man at the wrong place yeah. sort of thing and the fact that Bruce Willis you know before that what well, he'd, he'd been in a sitcom he'd been in a, a, a TV series called Moonlight yeah. which was kind of a comedy drama it's a bit light hearted I mean look at Bruce Willis yeah. at the time you know you had the action heroes you had Stallone Schwarzenegger you know these are the type of guys that, that would suit those movies that their movies were that and then you get this well, like little I think they they were considered, weren't they? I think even Clint Eastwood, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Van Damme, people like that were considered for the part. But he's an everyman, isn't he? Yeah, that's, he is. That's what the appeal of it. Yeah. Um, like I said, he's just that wrong guy yeah. in the wrong place. Yeah. And he happens to be able to defeat uh, international terrorists. <laughs> he does have police training. No, no, of course he is, yeah. But this is, I think what's so great about it is that... Um, yeah, it is that that every man, and you can see yourself. I mean, everyone, everyone's wanted to be John McClane, haven't they? You yeah. know what I mean. But it's just that that those classic John McTiernan and that, that tight action scenes. Um, one of the greatest antagonists of all time, and Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman, obviously. Um, 
Mr. Takagi will not be joining us for the rest of his life. life. <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like I said, it is, it's once again another flawless film. In, in our opinion, in many pe- people's opinion, it is the greatest all-time action yeah. movie. Um, well, like you said, it did kind of kickstart that that genre yeah. of film. I mean, um, you'd have you'd have Die Hard on a plane, yeah. you'd have Die Hard and whatnot. Yeah. You know, it, it it created a genre in its own. But like I said, you don't get better than the original. Um, it's just it's just a brilliant action film, isn't it? You know, and once again, yeah, it's an action movie, but the shit this got a really good plot, really good characters as well. Um, yeah, just everything you want. Every scene moves the film along. You know, it's, it's needed. Great soundtrack as well. Brilliant ending. Brilliant start mm. as well. Um, and just to point out one, just to, to try and get people to understand how great the story writing in this is. Everything, everything has a purpose. Like um, at the start, uh, he's on a plane, isn't he, from New York to LA. And the guy next to him says that take take your shoes off once you land, uh, doesn't he? You know, yeah. he says that you you won't get it or whatnot. And he takes his shoes off somewhere down down the film, along the film, sorry. And that becomes like a quite a big plot point where um, when there's a there's a fight scene they shoot a glass you know and his and his feet start bleeding and and just like those type of things where it just sets up something and and it matters because it's a important plot point later that's yeah. just an example you know it's, it's that such good writing everything has a purpose everything has a meaning and it is a quintessential action film isn't it yeah you know it, for a film to, to to create its own genre then yeah. there you go isn't it you yeah. know flawless action and Another great um, when you reminded me when you were saying about aliens with, yeah. the, with the scene where they weren't expecting it. Yeah. Well, they're, they're obviously once again spoilers. Hans Gruber is hanging off of Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, he's hanging off of John McClane's wife Holly, and uh, John. What is it? He, he takes off Molly's watch, Danny Holly's yeah. watch, oh, yeah. and uh, you see that the this brilliant slow-mo shot POV shot of just pure terror in Alan Rickman's eyes and they did they didn't tell him that they were going to do it so soon so you know it's, it's well they carried down and they 3-2-1 when they dropped him at 2 dropped him at 2 so, you just see that pure yeah. terror don't you yeah but no it's just yeah Again. it's a quintessential action film and if you haven't seen it where have you been and it is a Christmas film so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we say that a lot yeah, but it is say, yeah it is. I don't trust anyone that um, says it isn't. And one of the, one of the best antagonists as well, well movie villains. We've, yeah, we've, we've covered well. that in in another podcast. Um, so yeah, all round. It's brilliant, brilliant filmmaking, isn't yeah. it? So the next one is Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm. nineteen eighty one, which is the kind of um, offspring of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, What's not to like? I believe um, yeah. Spielberg wanted to make a James Bond film, didn't he? Yeah. And then J- Lucas was like, "No, don't do that. I've got something way better. Yeah. He's a story." Um, apparently, they I think they were in on holiday in Hawaii or something, yeah. and they would talk. And both of them love like the the Saturday morning serials. You know, yeah. Like, the, like I say in the book, Roger and the Flash Garden, and so they wanted to make I think something 
like that. I mean, you, you look at the the character of Indiana Jones. He's a history. Uh, sorry, yeah, he's an archaeology archaeology professor by day, and he kind of side side hustle is going out and retrieving rare um, artifacts. Yeah. And so <laughs> it is, and and just his whole persona, the hat, the the jacket, the whip, um, is very uh, very Saturday morning serial yeah um all very comic book as well um and it's it's a brilliant film um it's action it's adventure and again there's there's just nothing i can say about it that 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 i can critique about it um it is kind of wall-to-wall action from start to finish um, I know Harrison Ford wasn't their first choice. They were actually they'd actually cast Tom Selleck yeah. as Indiana Jones, uh, but he he was I think he just shot a pilot for Magnum, and the TV network had just picked it up, so he couldn't obviously uh, be in it. Um, but now you can't imagine anybody else no. in the in the role. Um, and some would I mean, like like you were saying, I think. Your favourite is Last Crusade, yeah. which um, again I I I really like, but this is where it all started, I think. Um, well, this thing with these with these films, when some of them are just so flawed, there's there's not much more you can say, is no. there? I mean, this is once again like Die Hard, the action movie. This is the quintessential action yeah. adventure. You know, it's been it's been done a million times after this, yeah. never been up to those heights um, but yeah it's just it's a, it's a, and again, it's a flawless um, film both the opening and closing scenes we featured in other yeah. podcasts as best opening scenes best closing movie endings best mm. movie openings I mean any f- and it's it's just very iconic um, film as yeah. well um, I was going to say any film that introduces Indiana Jones yeah one of the single most iconic movie characters yeah. in history you know yeah, and you know, there's there's been sort of criticism about the film, about the plot holes in it, and that the fact that he really has no um, influence on the the actual storyline. You know, even though he goes out to get the the Ark of the Covenant, the Nazis still end up with it. You know, and even at the end when he does manage to retrieve it, it it gets taken away from him and and locked up in this the storage. Uh, warehouse so but it's just yeah it's it's a good fun um it's not gonna you know it's not gonna tax you mentally um it's no convoluted storyline it's like i say just action end-to-end action and, and another legendary soundtrack as yeah, well by john williams mm. so yeah like i said with these flawless films there's not much you can really say about no. them is there no um yeah very good film. My next is uh, a Star Wars movie, and it is. I was toying because it's this is probably one of the hardest decisions. Do I go Empire or do I go Return? I went Return. Yeah. And before everyone has their pitchforks up against me, you know, writing, I for a long time Return was my favourite, and then. More recently, it was Empire, but I was weighing it up. If I was on a desert island and someone was like, okay, you can only take one 
of the two films, I'd take Return of the Jedi. Plus a TV, DVD player, and, <laughs> and, and, and means to power them as well. I did not think of that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, I just, like I said, Empire is the better film overall. It's one of the best films ever made, but I just, like you with A New Hope, this, this means so much to me because I get it. Right, I get that because um, in a way, it, it's it's kind of a it's the third act of a, a three act play, and it's yeah. kind of it ties everything up. It's a resolution, but a lot of people say, well, it's just kind of a rehash of the original film. You know, this this new Death Star, mm. you know, that they destroy and everything. But that's kind of a side plot, isn't it? To yeah, actual key plot, which is really about Anakin. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it's it's about Luke's story, but even more, it's about Anakin's story, isn't yeah. it? You know, um, it's story of redemption, really. Yeah. So, first off, I know a lot of people. I've actually heard some people that don't that say they don't like the Jabba's Palace scenes. I really like them because obviously, in Empire, Harrison Ford didn't know if he wanted to come back for the third one, so they yeah. they um, froze him in carbonite, uh, and then. The whole first act is 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 the guy the gang getting back together and retrieving Han. Um, that just sets you up for the movie, doesn't it? You know, I know it's much it's it's odd because it's some of the lightest scenes in Star Wars, but some also some of the darkest scenes. Mm. But I'm just gonna weigh up why my favorite bits of this film because this is why it is is on my list is because one I think the the space battle mm-hmm. probably the best space battle in any movie ever. It's absolutely amazing especially in Star Wars and that's saying something I love the, I love like I said the the story but I love the, the story of Luke but also I prefer you know it's Anakin's story in the day isn't it and I mean just once you get past the the Ewok stuff you know I can look past that like I said I'll, I grew up on those movies and I quite like the Ewok bit once you start getting to the throne room stuff it's just the best of Star Wars isn't it you know would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's there's, there's negatives to mm. it, but but there's probably a lot more positives to it. Um, I mean, the whole the whole idea is that that the emperor has been orchestrating this whole thing. Yeah, right right from the start, he plans obviously to have Luke uh, kill Darth Vader and and become his um, new apprentice. A new apprentice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the the whole premise. Um, the idea of introducing the Ewoks is to show that, um, you know, you've got the Empire who are technologically advanced and the Ewoks are very primitive, yeah. but they're able to defeat the Empire. And it's it's about a story about friendship and community and working together, I think is, is kind of what you take about that. Mm. But then obviously at the end, it's the, it's the scene where um, Darth Vader... Because what what happens is during the during this the actual film, um, Luke hands himself over to the Empire, believing that um, still good in him, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, his father won't turn him into the Emperor Emperor because he, he he can sense that there's still there's a conflict in him. There's still some good in him. Um, he does turn him over to the Emperor, but right at the end, when the when the you know, when the Emperor realizes that he he can't um, he can't turn Luke to the dark side, he decides he's going to you know. Uh, he's gonna kill him. Yeah, 
and it's in that during that scene and again it brings a tear to a grown man's eye oh yeah you could be the hardest yeah, geezer exactly. and it will make you cry you know um, Darth Vader basically redeems himself um, kills the Emperor uh, Luke tries to save him um, but he's too far gone mm. but he he, he he says he says because basically uh, at the very they're, they're fighting through most of the throne room scenes and uh, Luke's trying to hide his his thoughts, but Vader's too powerful, and he he under he finds out that Luke has a sister, which is Leia. Obviously, spoilers. Um, he said, "If if you won't turn to the dark side, then perhaps you will." And that's when Luke knows that is now or never. Mm-hmm. So he he doesn't want Leia falling to the dark side as well. So there's this it's so emotional, isn't it? This whole scene, you know, you got the mm-hmm. the brilliant music in the background and I think that's probably some of the best music yeah it is know, and it adds to the to the scene oh it does and, and there's a by the way on YouTube there's a 10 hour loop of just that scene yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously that that's when you get to the scene of, of Luke using all that all that um, anger inside him but you're like oh my god is he going to turn to the dark side or is he not he cuts off Vader's hand like he did to him in the previous movie, and he sees that Vader doesn't hand, have a hand either. And then you, there's a little bit of a moment in there, and you're like, mm. "Oh my God, is Luke? Is this him turning well, to the dark side?" There's a little moment where he, he looks at his own robot hand, yeah, and uh, Vader. He's like, "Is this my destiny?" He kind of re- realizes, "Is this what I'm going to become?" Yeah. And so I think he then there's a flicker, like you say, and he, he just throws his lightsaber He's away. Like, never, I'm never going to turn to the dark yeah. side, and. Um, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> That's when that start, he starts using force. Yeah. We're getting really nerdy, but he starts using force lightning. Yeah. Vader's like, no, you know, because it goes back and mm. forth. It, Luke's pleading with him, yeah. Father, please. I know, I know they're still good in you. And then finally, you just get him lifting up the Emperor and chucking him over the side to his death. I'm not going to count Episode Nine. That can piss off. <laughs> it, he did die, yeah. and you get this lovely scene where Vader. Luke drags him outside and onto onto an Imperial shuttle. And Vader's like, I wanna I wanna look upon you with my own eyes. And you actually finally see what Vader looks like. You know, you can see his his very scarred. Um I believe Sebastian Stan played him, didn't Sebastian, he? Sebastian yeah. Shaw. Sebastian Shaw, yeah, not Sebastian Stan. Um and Luke's like, No, father, I can save you. And he's like, You already have hasn't yeah. you? you already have and Tell it's your just, sister you were right yeah, about me. And yeah. it's just yeah. it's just such a great story mm-hmm. like I said it is it may show some of the weaker points of Star Wars but it shows some of the greatest especially emotional yeah. moments in Star Wars and it ends on the biggest high ever because you know like like Robbo said it's it's a three act play those original trilogy you've got the, the beginning you've got the middle where you know, the bad guys fight back the Empire fights back it strikes back and then you've got the end where it's just it ends on a high doesn't it you know and I just think it's so effective mm. and yeah it really it just is the best for Star Wars at times you know so and it means the most to me as well and that's why it's on my list like I so said we could talk about Star Wars for so long but yeah yeah um, I think originally Lucas wanted Steven Spielberg to direct it but yeah. I think Lucas fell out with the DGA Directors Guild of America didn't he and because I think Spielberg was a member he couldn't direct it so he chose um, a guy called Richard Marquand who hadn't really done a lot no 
not really known for these sort of films. But the uh, I'm sure I've read somewhere that the that pretty much Lucas kind of looked over his shoulder yeah. all the time and kind of almost directed it himself. I believe at one point he he let Ron Howard come on on set as well, didn't he? <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So, but you, it's 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 a bit inconsistent. You can tell, yeah. but. Yeah, just overall. It's again, just... I mean, it rehashes a little bit of the Star Wars storyline yeah. with the you know destruction of the um, the Death Star and everything, and like you say with the Ewoks and stuff. It's almost like he's kind of took elements from because supposedly, in order for him to write Star Wars, he had to write a whole kind of you know universe. Yeah. Um, and so he. I mean, he says it's always his intention to make three films. I don't know if it was or not. But it seems like he's kind of trying to fit in stuff that he couldn't get in the other films into mm. this one. But again, I mean, it's 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 again. I, I would say Empire is is probably the better film. But like you say, this this just just the end scene alone, I think you know does the third act is like I said, yeah. is the best of what Star Wars has to offer. Yeah, so. and it, and it just kind of tie up the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we we need to carry on talking about Star Wars. <laughs> Luckily, that's all the Star Wars there is today. So, so I'm going to quickly move on to my yeah. second Ridley Scott film. Yeah, which is Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, Blade Runner again. It's a film that I, I recently rewatched, and just mm. how brilliant it is. And um, to me, Blade Runner is a detective film noir. Yeah, it just has that whole feel of it. Although it's set in the kind of futuristic world, um, I know there's this elements of it that that Ridley Scott. I mean, it depends what version you you watch because there are several different yeah. versions with several different endings. Um, but I just think it, it's it's a fantastic film. Again, it's well written, it's well acted, based on a um, a short story by Philip K. Dick, "Do, Do Aliens uh, Dream of Electric Sheep." Um, Send the future. It's about a um, a group of cyborgs, or the genetically altered, the genetically created human beings, and they're, they're sort of genetically created to be better, re- replicants. replicants think, yeah. yeah. Um, and in order to basically control them, um, they're given um, they're given memories, so, so that kind of grounds them, gives them some emotional stability. But what what happens is there were a series of accidents, so replicants are outlawed and they can only be used off planet, I believe. Um, and then you've got this group of, well, in order to control them, they're given a five-year lifespan. So after five years, they they die. Uh, but then it's it's about a group of replicants who. Um, come to earth they're led by Rutger Hauer who plays a character called Roy Batty um, they tr- basically trying to to live longer so they they go and they meet um, a guy called Terrell who created them and he he basically says there's nothing I can do um, and so they kill him and Harrison Ford plays a what's called a blade runner he's basically hunts down replicants and originally he he'd quit hadn't he uh, but then they, they brought him back for this one mission um and it's a great film like i say it's um the whole 
look of the film is very noir. Yeah. Um, you know the the city again. It's it's not. I don't think it's. Is it actually mentioned what city they're in? No, I don't think it is. Uh, no, but it's, it's just like a normal metropolitan city. It seems to rain all the time again. Yeah, um, it's gritty. Um, I think it's well well before its time. Yeah, I really do. Um, I know when it first came out, it wasn't very well received, um, but it was sort of eighty two, so it was. It came out at the same time with a lot of other films as well, so it might have mm. been kind of lost. And like I say, Scott wasn't particularly happy with some of the changes that the studio made to it. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's it, again, there's nothing that I can I can criticise about it, and it's got a fantastic um, closing scene oh, yeah. as well, um, and a, a, this this fantastic monologue delivered by Rutger Hauer I mean, just this, before he dies. This thing, what it does is it, is it sets up that. It's very definitively that okay, Rick Deckard is the good guys, and the replicants are the bad guys. But mm. at the end, all the all the replicants want to do is just live. They yeah. just want to have a life, don't yeah. they? Because he actually ends up saving. Well, at the end, there's there's a Deckard pursues uh, Batty. It's over the rooftops, and like you say, he jumps from one building to the other, and he he doesn't quite make it. So he's hanging off this building, and Batty actually rescues him. Yeah, he then gives this monologue. And then dies, mm. but like you say, it's kind of it blurs the lines between the good guy and the bad guy because some of the things Deckard does are not not particularly great, and like you say, all the, all the replicants want to do is what all, we all want to do. We want to live, we want to yeah. have a life. So and it's a very sad movie, yeah. but once again, it's it, like I said, it is so before its time, and now I'm really I'm, I'm glad that it really does get the praise it deserves. Yeah. You know. Definitely, yeah. And this is literally Ridley Scott at his best. Yeah. Um, of course, Vangelis has a brilliant soundtrack mm-hmm. as well. And, yeah, um, yeah there's, there's a reason why it's so highly regarded. So, very good choice. Mm. Right, my next is... I'm not going to spend too long on this, but okay. it's The Matrix. Uh, it's a science fiction action film. Uh it was brought to life by the Wachowskis and what I can really take away from this film is it's probably I mean at the time it was a phenomenon and even now it's still considered one of the greatest well, it, was, it was a unique premise yeah it was really. so, it's so um, unique and you're like yeah. how how do you come up with this you know just out of nowhere and once again it it it's, it's one of those films where it's, it's been rep- tried to have been replicated so many times you know it, it set up that sort of cyberpunk um, phase where a lot of films went through but I just I just think to myself, how did they make? How did they come up with this premise? You know. Um, so I'll, I'll just quickly explain what the plot is. So it stars um, Keanu Reeves as uh, Thomas Anderson, and I believe he's a computer. Pro- he's like a hacker, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. And Mr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. He's, Tell he's, you, you he, should be a voice actor. I think yeah, his hacker name's Neo, isn't it? Yeah. Which is. Uh, but um, story way. It sets it up like he, you know, he just lives an ordinary life. Um, and then these people, weird things start happening. These people start chasing him, and you're like, who are these people? And um, Trinity, played by Carrie Carrie Ann um, Carrie Ann Morris, Morris, yeah. Um, she comes to him and explains that everything he knows to be real is really fake. 
and we, we get the famous scene with Lawrence Fishburne, um, Morbius, do you take the blue pill or do you take the red pill? The blue pill would let him continue on his life. The red pill will show him what is really the reality, what is actually going on. And he decides to take the red pill. And what that happens is, is he wakes up in the Matrix. Now, if we explain what the Matrix is, it is real life, isn't it? Well, it's, it's kind of the future. Uh, obviously, the the world's gone through. Yeah, it's post-apocalyptical. Machines have taken over. And what they're doing, they use humans really t as batteries. Yeah. Uh, they use humans to power the matrix. Um, and that's why that's why when people actually find and the whole idea of plugging people into the matrix, giving them these kind of um, almost like fake memories and yeah. and like a fake life is to to be able to control them. Yeah. Essentially. And that's why um, you get these these agents. Yeah. Um, the most famous one, the, the the head being Agent Smith, played yeah. by Hugo Weaving. I love uh, Mr. Wright. <laughs> I think that's all he says. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Uh, he goes out and and his job is to to capture the people that know basically. Yeah. And um, the reason why you're probably thinking, well, why did they go after after Neo if he didn't know any better? There's this whole law around surrounding the the chosen one, isn't yeah, there? It's that familiar trope of me, yeah. like the chosen one. He's gonna be the one that defeats the Matrix and you know frees everybody. Yeah, can defeat the machines. Yeah. And what I love about it, like I said, it's 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 maybe maybe it's it's a slow burn at the start. You know, it has to set up everything, and and maybe you just have to take it in. You have to pause it and take it in for about ten minutes because it is such a unique plot, and it is quite a confusing film I must admit but once you get actually into the meat of the film it's, it's just non-stop action um, and it maybe it's a bit dated now you know like all the slow-mo scenes and whatnot. but at the time it was completely revolutionary I mean especially the, the, the Trinity help me scene where yeah. well you've got, you've got so the slow-mo 360 slow-mo um, sort of shots which mm. work like like you say you see you see it a lot now but they were at the time Revolution, yeah, but yeah. what I love is it's so stylized and it, it sets up this whole world, its own law. There's this person called the Oracle, um, who is is perceived to to know everything basically. And uh, Morpheus sends Neo to her, and she basically says that you're not the chosen one, um, and it's really quite a dagger to the heart. Uh, Later down the line, somehow Neo finds himself basically ganged up against the the agents. So uh, Morpheus has been captured. So Trinity and Neo go back into the Matrix. At this point, Neo is perceived to not be the chosen one, and you just get this this great third act, just like I said, all full out action. Um, and there's a, a brilliant scene where Neo, uh, Morpheus, and Trinity go back. They leave the the, the Matrix as Neo on his own. And uh, what well, they can, they basically can see people using code through code. They can see what's going on in the Matrix, and they see that Neo's taken on all these agents. And they see the he, there's this brilliant scene where they're shooting bullets at him, and he just stops the bullets in midair. And Morpheus goes, he he is the one. And like I said, it's it's quite hard to explain 
the Matrix in full, but all I'm just saying is if you haven't watched this movie, watch it because it's so such a unique premise. If you love cyberpunk, then it's the movie for you. If you love sci-fi action, then it is the movie for you. But like I said, such a unique movie that it will completely blow you away. Yeah, and spawn two sequels and a kind of reboot as well. Yeah, so. and I've seen every single one. <laughs> I even I even like the the, the sequels. So come at me. Right, so my next one is The Thing. Uh, we've yeah. mentioned it before. Um, it's a horror film. Um, it's set in the Antarctic. I'll, 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 I'll be very brief with this because we're kind of running yeah. long on time. But essentially you've got this, this, this Arctic outpost um, of scientists. Um, the scene, uh, the film opens with this this dog being pursued through the snow by this helicopter, and they're trying to kill this dog. And you don't know why. Um, dog makes it into this camp. Um, these the helicopter lands, and they the guy's shooting at the dog. He, he misses the dog, hits one of the the scientists, and then um, the camp uh, sort of leader Gary shoots the. Uh, shoots the guy and the I believe the guy goes to throw a, a bomb and he blows up the helicopter so they put this dog into the in with the other dogs um, and what, what it turns out is this dog is an alien essentially um, and the alien uh, is able to um, infiltrate you at cellular level so it basically takes you over from inside out um, and it's able to uh, create a perfect replica of you, which is a great premise because it means that you don't know who is the alien and who isn't. Yeah. Um, and all it's doing is wanting to survive again. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's it's one of those kind of um, films where you know, you've got this this group of people trapped in this situation with a killer essentially with them but yeah. they don't know who it is no um and it, it's it's again it, it's it's a John Carpenter film and it, I think it was very it came out in 82 like I say with it with a, a lot of other films and I think it's it was I think considered one critic called it the worst film ever made but I think now it's kind of revisionist um, reviews have said no it, it is a masterpiece of horror of yeah genre. it is yeah yeah, and it's got one of the best closing scenes yeah. as well um, spoilers it's obviously stars Kurt Russell uh, but right at the end Kurt Russell um, his character uh, McCready and a character called Childs um, they're they're basically at the end of the film they, they get separated and they come together right at the end of the film and neither of them know the camp's been destroyed by fire, and neither of them know which one, if any of them, is is the thing. And it's this kind of suspense right at the end. Um, I don't know what more there is to say about it. No, Again, it's, it's one of those films that I can't I can't critique in any way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the story's great. Um, it, obviously, it's based on um, a, a short story. Uh, by uh, Joseph Campbell. Uh, it was made into a that story was made into a film in the fifties, 
but I don't think they had the the technology back then to be able to actually because um, their thing was more of an actual monster, yeah. you know, alien. Um, but this this is um, again this is more closer to the original source material, where this like I say the thing is this kind of unknown creature that can that can take you over a cellular level. Um, and the worry is that if it gets outside, gets into the into the, the world, the population would be taken over within you know months, essentially. Well, it is the perfect horror film, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's just based on pure paranoia. Yeah, yeah. What more can you say? No well, thing. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely watch it. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Yeah. My, I'm. I'm not going to focus on too much now because oh, we're getting long times a bit. But I'll just um, quickly go over this. So my uh, penultimate film is Inception. Um, just a quick plot. Cobb, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is a world-renowned thief of dreams. So he's tasked with going into people's subconscious, stealing ideas, and basically selling them. When that goes wrong, um, Saito, played by Ken Watanabe, the person he infiltrated his dreams, asks him to plant dreams which is deemed impossible it's never been done before Cobb was like I've done it once before um, and he's he, well he's an international criminal he's banned from the United States so he's banned from seeing his family his kids and uh, Saito says that if you can do this I'll grant you access back to the US you know he's a powerful man so the idea is that he's a he's a business he's a business magnet and he wants Cobb to plant information into his uh, his rival's son like I said it, once again it's so many different layers it's, it's a really really unique premise isn't it you know um, but it is a masterpiece in my opinion and it's you can you can see that by the ratings it's very highly rated um, Chris really Chris Nolan at his best uh, it took him 10 years I think that's what he said 10 years to, to write the film I mean, it would take anyone more than that to write a premise this unique, you know. And I think really what Inception shows is it shows completely thinking outside of the box, really, you know. Like like The Matrix, how do you come up with something like that so detailed and, and so just, you've never seen it before, have you? No. And the great thing about it is um, there's no real conclusion to it because you're no. never quite sure what's real and what's not so and basically, even the parts that are presented as kind of real yeah you're not you're still not sure it just about. keeps you on it just keeps yeah. you on your toes doesn't it keeps you guessing but basically what he does is is, is he is he gets together this crack team um you've got tom hardy um ellen page um obviously ken watanabe himself uh and yeah that they're, they're tasked with just going in and planting dreams which is deemed impossible it's got action in it it's thrilling at times. It's got some of the, the best practical effects you've ever seen in your life. I mean, there's that. There's the uh, corridor scene, um, and uh, what Robert was getting at is is everyone carries a totem with them, and it either shows they use this totem to show if they're in if if they're in someone's dream, if they're in the dream world, or if they're in the real world. So Cobb carries a, a little spinning top. And if it continues spinning, he's, it means he's still in a dream. If it falls over, it means he's in the real world. And at the end, 
once um like again spoilers they they're successful in their in their mission and he returns back to, back to the us he, he goes through customs um what's really odd is, is you see him at the um airport and you see michael kane which is his um father grab his bags and it cuts straight to Cobb's house but it's like they were still in the same they were doing the same motion as they were in the airport just like they just randomly transported like no it's it's quite trippy and so you're thinking okay that's a bit weird um but you can look past it and then he sees his kids because his, his wife commits suicide previously so it's him and his kids and uh once he sees his kids he, he gets his totem he spins the totem sees his kids runs off after them starts hugging them and, and embracing them and the last scene of the film is it is it pans down to the the totem and it kind of you know it's spinning it kind of jiggles a bit but it ends without telling you showing you if it if it's stopped spinning or not and it's just like i said it's such a, such a unique premise and it is a masterpiece of a film and i think if you haven't seen it then it can get a bit confusing because there's 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 extra bits to it like there's there's different levels of dream dreams and stuff but i mean all round great performances i've also forgot joseph gordon levitt's in it as well he puts in a great performance killian murphy is the is the competitor's son um yeah it's just all round great storytelling and it's it's when he's at his best christopher nolan is one of the best around you know and it is it is his personal work you know it it is a it is a passion project and just great film really really great film and a brilliant soundtrack once again from Hans Zimmer so that's some great CGI effects mm -hmm. so what more do you want you know exactly. watch this film huh. okay moving quickly on uh, my penultimate is The Godfather a film which I know you've only seen recently yeah and you actually thought it was a good film yeah well um if you don't know it's um it's set in sort of post second world war uh obviously america it's around the corleone family who were a, a mafia family and, and don corleone who's head of that family um you've got michael corleone played by al pacino um he he start the film he returned he's returning back from the war um he is uh a reluctant member well not a reluctant member of the family he he's not interested in in getting involved in the in the mafia life that's why he went to to join up and and fight in the war but after a an inter sort of family war where there's an attempt on don Carlo on his life he's kind of dragged into it uh, and this all stems from um the, the other, I think there's five families in there. These other families want to start moving, dealing drugs, but he's he's absolutely adamant that he doesn't want to, and that leads the other families to try to assassinate him. Um, this this causes Michael to get sort of drawn into uh, the whole uh, mafia life. Um, he actually assassinates, um, I think it's the police chief who's in the. Um, He's in the the payroll of the other families, and then he, he goes to hide out in Sicily. Um, his brother Sonny, played by James Caan, is murdered. Um, he comes back, and then he basically then assumes the role of Godfather, takes over the family business, 
and you, you kind of it's a you see how he's he's slowly drawn into that mafia life until he's completely immersed in it mm. and how he goes from being a, a reluctant um like maf, you know like i say reluctant to join that into being um being the godfather yeah essentially um and that's that's the story uh it is an epic film it, it's a long film but again there's nothing I, I can't critique it in any way there's, no. there's nothing negative to say about it um it's it's hard to sort of pigeonhole it in genre it is a kind of gangster film but there's also drama as well action as well yeah, yeah. um lots of dialogue but again it's it's a it's, it's a brilliant film and i would urge anybody to watch it uh, you know brando who at that time was kind of on his way down um i think the studio were kind of reluctant to work with him because of his he was a little bit um i think unpredictable at that mm. time but you know he he really campaigned hard for the part and he gave he gave an oscar winning performance yeah. so yeah brilliant film just as great story writing yeah, isn't it really it is. and yeah i mean once again what more can you say it is one of the most celebrated movies of all time yeah. isn't it and yeah. it certainly deserves it definitely so yeah all right my final film is no shock because i think I, I think it's always top on every list i have but um it's in sort of the same caliber of those movies before it's, it's the dark knight um i was a bit sad because i was originally going to include batman begins on here as well but now i thought okay now i'm gonna yeah like I'm, I'm, I'm a total convert because yeah. i i'd never i've never been a big fan of superhero films mm. i'm not a big fan of marvel and it was only when you agreed to we said you know you'd watch the godfather i'll watch the dark knight trilogy and i was oh yeah um but it, it, again, it's when you, it's when I first watched them, I thought Batman Begins was the better one because mm. I, I love an origin story, and then you rewatch it, and then I realised you know Dark Knight is the better film, and I thought that Dark Knight Rises was was fairly weak. Watched it again recently, and I think you know Dark Knight is the best of the three, yeah. but the other two still up there are, they? are probably equal mm. and and still up there as well. So yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I just... Oh, this is the thing, right? Um, so first of all, the, the plot of the movie is that Batman... Obviously, Batman Begins, it, it shows him at the start of his career, and this is set a couple of months afterwards. Because I think it's always it's always difficult when you've got the first of, like, a trilogy, is you've got to introduce all the characters, yeah. and, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of procedural stuff that you got to get out of the way before you can get to like the meat the of the story yeah. meet the story like you say so so once again it is a very yeah the three films like Star Wars it is middle beginning and end isn't it but yeah. this this middle once again I think it's very widely considered yeah. um, better the best of the three and one of the best movies of all time mm -hmm. but just getting into the plot uh, Batman's basically cleared up the streets He's frightened all the all the criminals and gang members, um, where they have to bring their dealings and and illegal activities underground. Um, you got like you got like the the Eastern European mafia. You got like the the um, African American mafia, like 
gangs and stuff and they all they all have this meeting they're like how can we take down you know, what's, what, what, why are we doing this he fledges Joker walks in and says your problem is the Batman and I can take him down um, and it's about this sort of cat and mouse game between Batman and, and the Joker and um, that's, that's the, the main plot of it but first off one of the, the greatest opening scenes isn't it in history well, the thing is, is that all their all the all the money is being held in these banks, aren't they? All yeah. The, all the the gangs' monies, and it starts off with the Joker basically robbing these banks and stealing their money. And again, like you say it's got a fantastic opening scene to it, uh, the bank heist, and then he's saying, right, he he takes them, shows them the money, and says, right, I'll kill the Batman. I just want to keep half of it. Yeah. But then he ends up burning it, doesn't yeah. he? To prove that. Money isn't important to no. him, and prove, and and along the way, um, Alfred says that some men just want to watch, watch um, yeah. make the what's, what's it? Some men just want to watch the world burn, isn't yeah. it? And uh, that sort of proves it. But like I said, it's just it's like all the way through the film, there's there's little plot points, but then you realise at the end that the Joker's orchestrated all of this. Yeah. Um, but listen, so let's let's get in. so because there's so much to talk about in this film. First off, the 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 standout of this film is 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 the Joker. I think it's very much a Joker story. Where yeah. Batman begins is Batman's story. Yeah. This is Joker's story. Everyone knows how how brilliant he fledges portrayal of the Joker is. One of the greatest acting performances in history. Just proved it. He he, he won an Oscar that year against a very tough competition. Um, we can get that out of the way now, so because everyone knows how great his performance is, you can see the the heat sort of um, influence. Yeah, heat influence in there. Um, there's a couple. Christian uh, uh, Christopher Nolan um, took some elements from the Killing Joke, the book, uh, the comic book, Long Halloween. Um, you see a bit of detective work in there, but overall, it's just. It, it's, it keeps you on your seat the whole time, doesn't it? It's just action, thrills. It's a lot more dialogue heavy than the original. The original, I'd say, is a full-on action movie, where this is just it's, it's just pure filmmaking. It's just brilliant. And it's this sort of crime thriller that just happens to be a Batman movie, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't chuck it in its in your face like Marvel do, where it's a superhero movie. Um, there's barely any humour in it whatsoever. It's just pure, simple crime thriller storytelling at its best brilliant um, soundtrack from Hans Zimmer and it played where the first one played on fear themes of fear this one plays on on the, the fact that the goodness of in inside people and the um, like there's a scene at the end where, where these two boats and one of them's got convicts on the other's got innocent people on and now the Joker he's planting bombs on each one and he says right in I don't know if it's... I think it's an hour. In an hour, uh, both bombs are going to go off. It's a midnight. So both bombs are going to go off, but each each boat has got a detonator for yeah. the other one. And so it's up to the people then to decide, you know. And he's relying on sort of people making that decision, but yeah. he doesn't... He, he kind of... It's all about the goodness of people. Well, well, well. he says that if... It, uh, cause when he sees the bombs don't go off... Neither boat blows up. He's he's really surprised. He's like, well, you got to do everything yourself. And then you get this great sort of speech by Batman, and it's basically saying that 
uh, not everyone is like you because he basically the whole film Joker is just trashing the people of Gotham because it, it's it, it's there's a bit of psycho you know it's that psychological touch as well because obviously um, in the film he kidnaps Harvey Dent and yeah. he kidnaps Rachel and he he has them sort of held hostage and he gives basically Batman the choice of yeah. which one he's going to rescue and he, he chooses um, Harvey Dent and that's you see Harvey Dent then become Two-Face mm. as well um, so yeah it's it's that kind of um, you know choice where nobody wins no but it's, like I said it plays on those themes of that that Batman system that, that you're on your own you know um with with your with the, your way of thinking that these people aren't aren't lost causes that they they don't stoop to your level that these are good people or Gotham and obviously with the Harvey Dent side of things I think Harvey I think Alan Eckhart's portrayal of Harvey is really overshadowed of of course by Joker but he puts in a really great performance and he's the the DA of Gotham he's the he, they call him the White Knight he's the he's the, he's Gotham's number one person. And Joker basically sends him down down this path where he he falls into into madness and he falls into something that that not, you know is the total opposite of him. Mm-hmm. And they they say at the end where that he's um he's taken Gotham's best and turned him into the worst. You know, yeah. but um and the the ending as well is is. People expect superhero movies. You know they're gonna have these huge CGI battles and stuff. It's not a, it's not like a big, huge, massive battle, is it? it it's just pure storytelling, isn't it? Yeah. And you get the great, obviously, um, the great quote: "You can die a hero, you can live long enough to see yourself become the villain." Yeah. And that's exactly what happens to Harvey Dent as well, isn't yeah. it? Well, obviously, at the end, what happens is Harvey Dent, um, he's he's done all these things as Two Face. But they don't want that to ruin the image that, that no. they've got of him. Because so, the, the people of Gotham hold on to the yeah. fact that he, that they they do have people like Harvey yeah. in their city and stuff. So so the, the Batman ends up taking uh, responsibility for some of the things that he's done, and mm. he, he then becomes a pariah and disappears. Yeah, essentially because Gotham no longer needs him. No, and that's what he says. You know, I'll 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 stay and be Batman as long as Gotham needs me. Yeah. Um, and I think um, Commissioner Gordon says that he's the hero Gotham needs, but what, not what they need right now, yeah. sort of thing. So, what, what I'm trying to get is this is still like, 14 years later, still the quintessential comic book movie. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. And if you haven't watched it, where have you been? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah. like I say, I I was I was reticent, first reluctant to yeah. watch, but yeah, I'm, I'm a complete convert now. So nice, very good film. Thank you. And my last one um, is Jaws, mm. which is probably one of my all-time favourite films. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what Jaws is now, take a <laughs> hammer and hit yourself over the head. <laughs> <laughs> but the premise is, yeah, it's a, it's a great white shark. Um, it states its claim off of the small island of Amity. Um, it's killing people. Um, the police chief, played by uh, Roy Scheider, Chief Brody. Um, he's obviously concerned, but the the mayor and the other sort of elders of the the town, um, they don't want to close the beaches because they feel it's going to ruin their Fourth of July celebrations. Um, that's the busiest time of year. 
um, and it's going to ruin their, them financially. Uh, so against his judgment, he, he leaves the beaches open. And so when more people get killed, you know, he kind of takes it almost personally. Um, and it's that kind of, that diehard thing, isn't it? It's that yeah. guy in the wrong place at the, the wrong time, you know? Um, mm. And then he uh, eventually, when an incident happens with his son, he uh, convinces the mayor to, um, to to hire Quint, who's a, a shark fisherman, um, and they go off along with Matt Hooper, uh, played by Richard Dreyfus, um, who's a, an, a shark expert, and they go off to try and hunt the shark and kill it. Um, the great thing about this film is it it's it's not about a shark really; it's about an unstoppable kind of force. It, yeah. It's that almost like a Halloween or a, even like an alien. You know, mm. you've got these group of people, and the, the shark almost possesses sort of supernatural powers. You know, um, there's been a lot, obviously, written about the making of the film and how difficult it was. Um, there's actually a, a play on at the moment called The Shark is Broken, and that's the behind-the-scenes look at the relationship between the three main actors because, um, yeah, apparently there was some sort of bad blood between some of them. Um, but again, it's uh, I think Spielberg um, came off the back of a, a TV film called Jewel, uh, which is about a, a salesman played by Dennis Weaver who, for some reason, doesn't doesn't know pisses off this lorry driver who then just carried, just pursues him for no apparent yeah. reason, trying to run him off the road. And it's that that kind of unstoppable force kind you of. You see film. the same themes definitely, yeah. can't you? Um, they built this a mechanical shark, um, which didn't work for a lot of the time. So Steven, uh, so Spielberg had to kind of compromise. And he had to sort of intimate the shark was there by by using like the barrels and other things as well the devices which actually adds to the suspense i think oh yeah because i think the shark was supposed to be seen a lot more in the film right at the start with the girl swimming the shark was supposed to be seen but i think it's scarier her just being pulled around in the water than than it would be if you actually saw the shark no 100 percent. yeah and again it's there's nothing i can criticize a film for um I still think it stands up today. Uh, it's brilliantly shot, obviously adapted from a story by Peter Benchley. Um, again, it was a troubled production. I don't think the studio had much faith in it, but it was a sleeper hit. Um, was the biggest grossing film of its time before Star Wars came along. The first summer blockbuster as well. Mm, exactly. So there's, there's lots of positives about and it and a running theme as well yeah another great soundtrack by John Williams yeah and again it's like what's not to like and it's got a big ass shark in it <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of changes from my uh, original list mm. uh, I know you have as well yeah and it's probably going to change you know yeah uh, that's the beauty of film as well, film as well isn't it like? um yeah, I mean, film, I like to be surprised by films, and, and a lot of the time I am. Mm. And I, films that I don't think I'm going to enjoy, or like, I do. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think a little bit better than our first oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. <laughs> so, um, thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you. We are going to go back to our normal weekly, um, our weekly podcast. We are hoping to maybe uh, release... The occasional bonus uh, podcast midweek. 
I think we'll be focusing on a specific movie. Won't yeah, we? it's not gonna be as long. But, no, yeah, yeah, it won't be as long. But as all that's left uh, is to thank you for joining us. Thank and you very much. Hope to see you again next week. Bye. Goodbye.